What's up, Monarch Nation? This is Jason Way here, and y'all are watching the Monarchist Basketball Show. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Basketball Show. Fresh off a thrilling victory yesterday versus Drexel. We're here to talk about this past week and to look forward to the following week of basketball. Coach, welcome back to the best and only ODU podcast. Excited to be with you guys, and uh, especially so after a, a, a big win uh, yesterday. We needed that one, and it was a struggle, but uh, uh, you know, really uh, happy with the win and, and really, really proud of how hard our guys competed. So obviously the way they competed for 50-50 balls was a big part of yesterday, but another big part of it was for forcing turnovers. So you talked about it in the post game, but talk to us a little bit more about the Badger defense that you guys were playing yesterday. You know, it's 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 something that we've we've done from time to time uh, over the years. We knew we hadn't really had to do it because we hadn't played against anybody uh, up to this point. In the last week or so, we knew with Amari Williams, uh, we we would definitely uh, we we couldn't just just play and kind of you know help help out and flex in the post uh, the way we had 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 been doing. So we've been working on that, but it, it's still um, you know I was unsure. Uh, I was afraid that we might be giving up some uh, some easy opportunities, but the guys really did a, a good job. So there was one miscue that resulted in them getting a. A layup. They 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 beat us to the backside, and uh, Amari Williams made a, a nice pass. But we did a nice job of it, and uh, uh, you know RJ was RJ was 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 fine in in that when he you know before he hurt his his uh, his nose. But uh, Ty and uh, Jason Wade both did a great job of of doubling in the post, and and our perimeter guys uh, you know rotated to uh, to the spots and. Uh, you know, we, we were able to use that to our advantage to at least try to slow Amari Williams down. He's a load in there. He's a big boy. Well, let's talk about Ty a little bit. Obviously, he, you know, he missed the prior game against Princeton. And, you know, that obviously, that impact was felt. But yesterday, player of the game. Talk to us a little bit about the impact that he made on the win yesterday against Drexel. Just just great energy. He obviously scored, what, 21 points, 22 points. He wasn't the most efficient. was very much in, in attack mode. Uh, you want to pause it? Sorry. Coach, tell us, tell us about your co-star tonight. What's their name and what kind of breed of dog is it? Uh, well, there's three of them. Two uh, that are a, a mixture of a lot of different things. And uh, one Grady is a Wheaton Terrier. Well, I'm I'm a big fan of mutts, so you got two of them. Yeah, two the the two girls are are rescues from Puerto Rico. They were street dogs uh, in, in in Puerto Rico that uh, uh, Island Rescue from Virginia Beach flew down after Hurricane uh, Marie Marie Maria flew down there and and they brought them back. And uh, they've just been, you know, they're fantastic, fantastic dogs and companions. And all three of them, you know, they, they, they run the roost. So that's, a, that's great that you guys rescued. I'm a big fan of that. 
before we keep going on with Drexel, we I think we need to touch on Princeton a little bit. Were you surprised at how crisp and clean that offense was running for Princeton? I, I no, I wasn't surprised because you could you know you could see it on film. Um, that wasn't the first time you know they didn't all of a sudden play it that way or at that level just against us. They had been doing it against pretty much everybody that they had played. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought for, for a while, uh, we kind of hung in there. Um, but I, I thought, you know, you, as you get a little bit tired, maybe you're a little bit less aggressive and locked in. And then I thought as we struggled to score a, a little bit, they banged some threes. I, I thought we hung our heads uh, a little bit. And that was a, a big part of the message going into the Drexel game. That you know, no, no matter what, let's 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 fight through. And and it's not like you know, I'm not even suggesting. You know, it's not like we quit against uh, Princeton. It's just it was demoralizing. And against Drexel, I think we saw, um, and it was you know a very different game. But I, I think we saw, you know, when when maybe there were uh, situations when when someone might hang their head. Uh, after a mistake or after we kind of let let the the game slip away at the end of regulation our guys didn't blink and, and we, we they stayed together uh, you know stayed uh, you know spirited and uh, stayed positive and you know, and ended up uh, you know doing a, a very nice job obviously in, in, in overtime all right so bouncing back to the the Drexel game and before we move on, actually, there there was one play uh, that Ty had, and I think it was in the first half, and you were talking about him bringing energy and just kind of something we needed. I think he shot a three-pointer from the top of the key, getting his own rebound for a layup. Yeah. 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 He, he, uh, I, I, I want to say it was against Amari Williams. Somehow they, they switched off, and then he shot uh, from the top of the key, and I think he knew it wasn't good when it left his hand, but he just sprinted to the basket. The ball came off, and he caught it and laid it in. Um, yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, that's a great example of the energy he brought us. I, I was I was saying a little bit earlier, he didn't have the most efficient game. It, it took a lot of, you know, a bunch of shots to, to, to get to the 21, 22 points, but that's his mindset, you know, and, and you're going to have to live with some, some shots and, 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 and die with some shots. I mean, let, let's face it. He was 0 for 5 from the three-point line until he hit that one that was, uh, you know, a, a, a huge one. I mean, we were up two, I think, and that put us up five. That takes some guts to, to take that shot uh, at, at that point, knowing that, uh, you know, knowing that uh, he was 0 for 5, although he probably didn't realize it. I don't think he, he worries or concerns himself about how many he's missed. All right, another uh, kind of an un- unsung hero in this game, I think, was Jason Wade on defense. He was, I mean, what do you have? Four steals. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure of the stats, but you know, he 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 played 28 minutes, which is a, a huge amount for for him, and an un- unlikely amount, but because of uh, uh, Chauncey's foul trouble and. Combined with RJ, you know, getting hit in the nose and being ruled out, you know, we, we didn't have a whole <laughs> whole lot of options. And, and we did for quite a while. We did the offense-defense invitation uh, with, with Jason and Chauncey, trying to keep Chauncey uh, from getting that fifth foul. Um, but, uh, you know, Jason was just really, really solid. Uh, you know, he and Emo both. You know, they had games where, 
uh, the, st- the the stuff on the stat sheet isn't going to jump out at you, but they facilitated. And, you know, as you talked about, you know, Jason got a, a couple steals. He he was the guy primarily that was it was doubling Williams in the low post. Just played a, a, a good game, a heady game, a tough game, uh, nothing fancy. But, you know, he, 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 you know, did the little things that, that don't show up, but he helped our, our team win. All right. So I've got a question here, Coach, just. A dumb fan question. I've always wondered this. So, RJ gets cracked in his nose. Obviously, he didn't he didn't punch himself or karate chop himself. You know, it's happening through the natural, I guess, the kind of natural flow of the game. But when an opposing player hits another player, that obviously causes damage. Why is that not a foul? Um, if if I'm not mistaken, um, I think they did look at it just to make sure, and it was somebody on our team maybe that that got him. Okay. Um, uh, uh, but you know, look, it's it's not a it's not a collision sport the way football is, right? Football is a collision sport. Basketball is a contact sport, and sometimes stuff happens. You're going for the basketball. Um, you know, there's there's things that happen that aren't fouls. Uh, you know, the, the, what you, what you want from the officials is consistency. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, that's, that, that's really the, the big thing. And they're not going to be perfect. Just like, uh, you know, I'm not going to coach a perfect game and the players aren't going to play a perfect game. The officials are going to miss some, uh, that, that being said, it's, it's, it's frustrating as, as, as heck, uh, when, when there are times when, when the officials, uh, you know, aren't, aren't consistent. And there's, you know, it's, it's hard to know what's going to be called a foul and what's not. All right. So I'm going to jump back to Princeton for a second. So you called it an old fashioned butt kicking as a coach in instances like that, what can you use those games for moving forward as like a learning lesson or how much can you draw from that game to prepare your team for the future? Well, there, I mean, there's a, an old saying that, you know, you can lose the game, but don't lose the lesson. And, um, you know, some of the most value, it's easier, it's easier, it's more fun to, to learn, you know, in, in a win. But sometimes those lessons, uh, you know, in, in defeat, you know, and when, when you get your, your butt kicked, right? Uh, and, and good teams, good players, uh, good people, you know, when, 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 when you fail and you get knocked down, um, what you find is those that, you know, point fingers uh, and, and make excuses, you know, they don't get better. And they're, they're, they're likely to make, you know, the, the same mistakes and, and fail again. Um, when, when you accept responsibility, and that's why I call it an old-fashioned butt-kicking, because they just beat us, right? There's no, no excuses. There's no nothing. It wasn't the refs. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. We, we just got beat. And you gotta, you got to swallow that, swallow your pride. And you, you've got to learn and, and you've got to say, okay, this is where we fell short. And that's what we, we talked about. Um, you know, the film session wasn't, uh, wasn't a fun one the day after, but we, we looked at it and, and um, I, I don't know that I, I would have known this until, until yesterday, but it looked like we, you know, we played with, with more passion and more intensity and more competitive spirit. Uh, so if, if that's a lesson that we learned from the Princeton, then 
it's it doesn't it doesn't replace winning the game, but at least something positive came came out of the loss. I think Mike and I are going to continue to play tug of war here. I'm I'm pulling the rope and I'm going back to Drexel. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Danny Pound. So Danny has obviously has been starting for a few different reasons. Um, big test yesterday with a very skilled big man, but Danny's motor and energy just seemed to be off the charts yesterday. Is to take a word from Ricky Ronnie, compete would be if I had to. Def- kind of define what Danny did yesterday. Can you share your thoughts on his performance? Um, you know, we, we needed every bit of it. And I, I thought Danny's activity, his physicality uh, of, of, of just kind of trying to bang and, and, and make, you know, uh, Williams work was, uh, was huge. Um, you know, we, we went with him cause you know, I thought he, he gave us a physical presence uh, the the best physical presence uh, in there. Um, obviously we helped him with the double teams, but, um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a double team all the time and it wasn't a double team when, when he was going to, you know, having to try to try to rebound. It's great experience for Danny to, to be in, in that position. He made some mistakes, but he battled. He, he never backed down. And like I said, for, for anybody, but for a freshman to, to battle physically that, that way was, is a positive. It's pretty impressive. He's, He's from a physical standpoint. He doesn't look and play like a freshman. Um, you know, usually you 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 get freshmen, big guys in there, and they're they're still adjusting to to all that physicality. He didn't back down an inch. All right, piggybacking on Aaron here. Another freshman had maybe his best game of the season. Bashan Olette. Uh, he scores 15 points, gets two steals, five rebounds. Um, he seemed to be a lot more active off the ball in this game, and you noted that in the press conference. He, he it was his best game. Um, you know, we we did uh, you know make an adjustment in our our approach defensively. The, the 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 first so the the Ball State game, the Arkansas game, and the Princeton game. The 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 matchups for for Vashon. Ball State was Anderson who had got twenty nine points. Uh, Eli Ellis was the, the guy that kind of took over the game down the stretch. That was Vashon's matchup against Arkansas. And then uh, Lee, Xavier Lee, I think, uh, uh, for Princeton, you know, got 21 points. He's really, really, really good also. Um, you know, and it, he, he's just not ready to guard those, those kind of guys. So we, we made the call, and, and, you know, some of the assistants were the ones that that really pointed it out and said, you know, let's, let's, let's put him on somebody else. So we looked, you know, to, for, for, uh, Vishon to be able to guard somebody, uh, you know, that wasn't as aggressive, uh, you know, wasn't, uh, quite as big of a, a scoring factor. Uh, and, and he did a much better job defensively there. Uh, you know, he did, he was active regardless of who he was guarding. He was more active. Um, I think that's the response. I, I mentioned that the film session, after the Princeton game wasn't a lot of fun, he was singled out in a number of occasions. It was uh, it was pretty obvious that you know he needed to shore some things up, uh, and he responded um, and, and played much better defense. He was much more locked in, much more focused, much more aggressive, uh, and much more disciplined. And I think you know I'm just a believer that if you're if you're playing at that end of the court, you're going to be aggressive and and you know you're going to be better uh, all over the place. And you know he. We were able to get out in transition. He made some, you know, made some plays, and, and he, you know, 
knocked down uh, a, a couple threes uh, that were uh, you know uh, important for for our effort. All right, now I'm going to go to the uh, not the complete opposite end of the spectrum, but I got to go to old man Mo, the emo. Emo had a big game. We talked about it during the press conference yesterday, a big game, but didn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet, but a really impactful one. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, and I think impactful is is, is the right word. Uh, you know, he... We, we, we always talk about, you know, it's it, it we always see on TV or, you know, in the media, um, mostly talks about shows... Uh, guys that impact the game with with the basketball, um, but we always talk about uh, to our guys, you know, what can you do without the basketball to impact the game? I, I thought that was ultimately that was that was the story for for Emo. I think I said something, maybe it was on the the radio with uh, with Ted and Dennis uh, post game that you know nobody was going to look at that stat sheet last night and and say oh you know emo played a great game uh except for maybe emo's mom and his coaches uh then i got a text later uh from from uh, uh latress uh emo's mom saying hey thanks for the shout out uh but but he he did and, and you know he didn't have a great first half uh but when he came in again we were down uh we were down rj uh, Chauncey had the fouls. And so we had to, you know, we, we, we had to, you know, figure out a way. And I thought Emo was a steadying presence, you know, offensively got us into stuff. And again, it's not like we were scoring on a, you know, a, a really high points per possession uh, percentage, but uh, you know, we, he got us into stuff, uh, got out in transition a couple times, but what he did was play some great defense on uh, Justin Moore. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, he kept him out of the lane and, uh, you know, virtually their, their offense was non-existent outside of, uh, outside of, uh, uh Amari Williams. Um, and, uh, so he, he had, he had a really good, uh, you know, he, he had a really good game in terms of supporting, impacting the game, uh, in, in, in ways that don't show up in, in the stat sheets, but allowing his, you know, his, his teammate. Before Mike goes, goes to give uh, give the family Emo's family a quick shout out because this show has a lot of listens in Texas, Coach. I know Mike has kind of shared with with you, and we have a feeling that uh, some of those might be coming from the family, and we'd love to see all the positive love and and support that comes from from that family. And we also love the jean jacket, by the way. I know that uh, Mike responded on social media to that, but what a wonderful family. Uh, they are. They're fantastic. Um, and, and, you know, uh, they, they travel seemingly everywhere. And Emo's mom is a school teacher. And I, I don't know. I think she might be getting a lot of sick days or something. But if, if we've got listeners from Wiley, Texas, I guarantee you they're, they're, they're family. One other stat that kind of jumped out at me yesterday was nine, off, nine turnovers by Old Dominion. A really good total for us on a bad shooting day really bad first half of shooting what would you credit for your ability to protect the ball yesterday we've put a, a heavy emphasis on it and 
you know, in a game, let's face it, you know, we, we, we battled like crazy, but we lost the, the rebounding battle. Um, so, so those offensive rebounds, whatever it was that, that they got, the plus possessions, we had to counteract that. Uh, and we were able to do that, A, by forcing the 18 turnovers, uh, and, and B, by limiting our turnovers. It balanced out, uh, uh, and at least we had, uh, you know, I think a slight advantage in terms of numbers of, of possessions. Um, it, it's really, really important. And sometimes, uh, a lot of times, you might not be shooting the ball really, really well. But if you can get more shots, that's the difference. Taking care of the ball is a, a priority. Um, I, I think with the, the ball handlers we have, if we can continue to be conscious of that, still be aggressive, but but you know making sure that when we take it in there, there were a couple of them that you know that that that, that hurt. We'll continue working and talking about that, but that's something that that, that can play a big difference in in a close game and. I've got a sneaky suspicion we're going to be in a lot of close games this year. Hey, Mike, are we ready to move forward to this week? Yeah, I think so. All right, Coach. Well, Wednesday at home, we've got Radford. They're 5-3. and three. They're a good squad. They've lost their three road games, North Carolina, VCU, and James Madison was a real close one, a three-point game. Can you talk to us a little bit about Radford and what they're bringing to Norfolk, they're, they're they're obviously a good team. They're a very hard playing team. Um, they've got some outstanding guards, and, and their bigs aren't as much scorers as they are. They're just junkyard dogs. I mean, they they play hard. They got high motors, and they get after it on the glass. The, the one guy that, that really really jumps out at you is uh, their leading scorer, Kenyon Giles. Um, Averaging about almost 17 points a game. I know he against VCU he had 17 at half, uh, and and they he, you know he's he's about 5'11". They give him a lot a lot of uh, freedom. Um, in fact, all three of those perimeter guys they they you know they've they've got like the ultimate green light it seems because they're they're in attack mode every time they touch the ball. A lot of ball screens. Our ball screen defense is going to have to be really really good if we're going to win the basketball game because we saw what he Giles did uh, ball screen situations against North Carolina despite being down I think 15 or 16 points at one one point against uh, James Madison they kept scrapping and they came back and had had the ball uh, with a chance to to tie and and Madison came up with a great uh, defensive stop basically to seal the game we've got to do a, a, a great job um uh, with our ball screen defense, we'll have to rebound the ball. We'll have to fight just as hard. They're not nearly as big as Drexel was, but uh, as I've said, they're big guys, especially their team. But their big guys really hit the boards really, really hard. So you mentioned it earlier. RJ got hit in the nose. Will he be a, be available for this game? Um, yeah, I mean he'll he'll be available. The doctors have, have basically said you know he's he's cleared. Uh, you know we we have him in a uh, a face mask uh, to to protect the the, the nose. Um, uh, although he he's not required to to wear it, but just for his own peace of mind. Uh, and we'll find out tomorrow how much he's he's able to do. You know sometimes it's more psychological, uh, and if he's you know if he's timid at all. That uh, that doesn't bode well, but uh, you know, hopefully he can adjust and, and play and be confident that that you know that mask will 
keep him from from getting any you know additional direct hits you know to to the nose. And then towards the end of the game, Ty looked like he was favoring one of his shoulders a little bit, and and Danny was looked like Jason was trying to stretch him out. Maybe he was just cramping. He played a lot of minutes. How's the rest of the squad look? I, I think fine. Uh, you know, Ty after uh, practice and lift today, Ty had some ice on his shoulder, but I don't think it's it's that big a deal. Um, and it's I think it's his right shoulder anyway. So I mean, I'm not sure he's made a right-handed shot in his college career. I think he did. Um, did he? I think he did go right once in the lane this past game. Did he make it? He started left. I think. Yeah, he did. I was going crazy, right, Mike? Yeah, Aaron uh, was very excited that he went right. Doesn't happen often. No. It's 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 like uh, uh, Bigfoot sightings. All right. So, Saturday you take a road trip, your second road trip of the year to Boston, Massachusetts, to play Northeastern at two o'clock. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to look at Northeastern yet. I haven't. Um, I, I do know looking at some scores that. Uh, you know they've struggled the last couple years. They got out of the gates a little bit slow, but they they've uh, put together a couple uh, nice wins, a couple perform good performances. Bill Cohen up there is is a guy that I have a, a lot of respect for. Uh, kind of a uh, under under the radar coach. Uh, uh, he and uh, Ed Cooley, who's who's now at, at, at Georgetown, um, those guys were assistants for Al Skinner at, at BC. And uh, just, you know, just, just really, really good guys, but really, really good coaches. So I know he'll have his, uh, his, his team ready uh, and, and they'll, they'll be well coached. Once we turn our attention to them, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll see a, a good basketball team and, and certainly a formidable opponent, especially on the road. Yeah, they, they beat Georgia Southern a conference foe and, their last game, they lost to Princeton. So obviously, once you guys do get a chance to take a look at the tape, you've got some something to compare to. I will say that Xavier Lee, who had a nice game against us, absolutely exploded against them for 30 points. He he seems to be putting a nice campaign together. Xavier Lee is a very very good player, and um, Mitch Henderson, the coach of Princeton, probably wouldn't wouldn't like me saying this, but Xavier Lee and and the the, the Pierce kid. Both those guys, I mean, they they could play in any league in the country. Obviously, they they might not have the same role or whatever, but those the way they play, uh, they they translate. They're 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 good. I have a, a question. I asked you this at post game, but what is goaltending now? Because it looked like quite a few times. I, I wouldn't say quite a few. There were two that I I thought, and and you know the the officials basically. Waved me off. They, they ignored me. So, I, you know, I, I guess I don't know. But uh, you know, Williams, Williams is a he, he. That's probably the best thing that he does. And I think isn't he the, the the, the two time CAA uh, defensive player of the year? I think he is. Uh, he he changes things up. So is that not is goaltending not a reviewable call at at a TV timeout? Only if there was a whistle on okay. the call. That's that's I, I asked and then something about that you know changed this year coming in there was some and 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 I asked after the first one I said can you guys look at that the next time there's a dead ball and they said only if there was a whistle on the call so if they 
you know, call goaltending or whatever, they can look at it to make sure it was. Or that's one of the calls. It's it's a judgment call, and you, you got to just live with, you know, whatever it is that the the officials see. And you you mentioned Xavier Lee. He's he was obviously fantastic, but he looked like he carried the ball before he turned the corner, which makes it a lot easier to turn the corner. Am I crazy in thinking that? I couldn't tell you whether he did or, or didn't. I didn't really notice it. You're not crazy in saying that it may, when if you do carry the ball, it makes it much, much easier to turn the corner or to change directions. That would be accurate. All right, Coach. The last thing that I've got on my 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 handy little notepad here that I want to ask about is the flow of the win against Drexel was a, a little bit different and the Chauncey got into some foul trouble and it forced you and your staff to do some, some tinkering with the lineup. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, we were mixing and matching. Um, you know, we're not a, we're not a big team uh, at, at any rate. Now you take one of those guys out uh, you know, we talked about Wade playing a little bit, you know, playing more minutes than he's accustomed to. Um, and, and we played when you've got, uh, you know, Emo and Vashon uh, in there and, uh, you know, uh, Ty at, 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 at the four uh, and, you know, Chauncey or, or Bryce at, at the three. Um, there, there can't be a whole lot of uh, teams in the country that uh, that that are, are are smaller than that, you know, just the cumulative size. We'd like to be able to be too deep, you know, with 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 Bryce and Ty, and with uh, Wade and, and and RJ and with Danny and 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 Dorico and, and potentially even three, you know, if 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 we need to throw Leroy in there, you know, and then you've got Dev and uh, Emo and Vashon and Chauncey, so. You know, you'd like that, but if one's got foul trouble and one's out with an injury, uh, you just try to piece it together. And, you know, that's why in, in practice you, you play for different lineups. Uh, and, and, you know, because you got to be able to adjust to in-game situations. All right. Coach, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, Wednesday night, Radford, 7 p.m. at Charway Arena. Can't wait to watch this team battle again, and hopefully they can continue bringing that fight. Uh, listeners, please stay tuned for the second half of the show. We're going to be joined by Kieran Donahue. I, I appreciate it. Another a, a big game, a great a, a great test. Another game. It, it you you want to win them at home somehow. Hopefully we can we can find a way. And uh, like you said, you know, hopefully we can you know continue our um, our, our our competitive uh, spirit that we we stepped up with uh, against Drexel. Hopefully that. That continues, and that's a lesson that sticks with us. All right. Thanks again, Coach. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs. See you guys Wednesday. All right, Monarch Nation, we are back with Kieran Donahue. He is a special assistant to the men's basketball coach, obviously Coach Jeff Jones. Welcome to the show, Kieran. Mike, Aaron, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Really appreciate it. All right, Kieran. So what what we kind of want to do today here is introduce you to the fans. You've obviously been here a long time. Uh, you came here with Jeff. But I don't think a lot of people, if they haven't met you, they don't know much about what you do at Old Dominion. 
And I think this is a great opportunity to teach them about the program and learn more about what each coach is doing. We're going to try to do that today. Sounds good. I appreciate it. So we're going to start at the beginning. How did you go from high school basketball to college basketball and coaching? Yeah, so I, I was a uh, – I would describe myself as a highly mediocre high school basketball player. Um, you know, I, I was you know a decent little high school basketball player. I, I cared about it a lot. I wish I was a better player. In retrospect, in retrospect, I, uh, I, I probably needed to be a lot tougher, and I don't think I understood that at the time. Um, but that's okay. Um, <clears throat> but I come from a sort of a basketball family. Uh, I have a little bit of a basketball background, which is – different than most others. You know, you hear sometimes like, like Jeff, Coach Jones is a perfect example, right? He, he grew up in the gym uh, because his father was a, was a college coach, a college basketball coach and a, a college, uh, um, you know, baseball coach. So Jeff grew up going to his dad's practices and his dad's games. My dad on the side, he had a real job, um, but his side hustle was he was a college basketball and a high school basketball referee. So I grew up tagging along with my dad and a bunch of uncles, both real and fake uncles, uh, to a lot of their basketball games, as, as well as an older brother who was four years older, who was a, a better player than I was. Um, and so I just kind of always tagged along. So I was always in the gym, multiple gyms a week, uh, tagging along with my dad. When I got to be about probably like eight years old and my brother was a little bit older than 12, we could start going with my dad to games. So it was common for me to be in two or three or four different games a week, tagging along with my dad, whether that was a high school game one night a division one game uh, one night, uh, a division three game, a junior college game. So I kind of always tagged along with him. And, and that's where I think my love of, of basketball really was formed, was watching, uh, you know, a lot of really, really good basketball. Um, yeah, I grew up in the New York City area in the suburb of New York City. And so my dad was one of the main refs for the New York City Catholic High School League. And it was just outstanding, outstanding high school basketball all through the through the 80s and the 90s and a bunch of NBA players and whatnot. And my older brother played with a bunch of really, really good players growing up, uh, a couple of guys that went on to play in the NBA. So I, I was just really fortunate to be around really high level basketball and, and just fell in love with it. So when when <laughs> after my season, after my senior year of, of High school basketball, my playing days ended. I, I went to the University of Virginia just to be a student, but I was really lucky through the basketball world, specifically the New York City Catholic High School League world. One of Jeff's assistants at the time was Dennis Wolf, a fellow New Yorker, a friend of, uh, of my father's. Um, and so I latched on as a student manager because for me, it was a chance to, uh, number one, be part of a team, right? I got to college and for the first time in my life, I wasn't on a basketball team or, or, you know, since like, I don't know, first grade, second grade, I, I'd been a high school runner. So for the first time in my life, I wasn't part of a team. I really enjoyed having the opportunity to be part of a team as a student manager in whatever role that meant. I also was thinking that I wanted to be a high school teacher and a high school coach. So I figured if I work as a student manager, this would give me a chance to learn a little bit more. And again, you know, now, nowadays there, there, there are people out there that kind of use being a manager as a pathway to get into coaching. I, I don't really think that was much of a thing Back in the 90s, mid-90s when I was in college, I was thinking, wow, this is cool. I get to be part of an ACC program. I get a front row seat, you know, to when we play Carolina and Duke and NC State and Florida State and all, you know, all these great games. Um, I get some free sneakers out of the deal. And for me, I loved it. Just I was a basketball junkie at a young age. And so I didn't mind uh, doing some laundry and you know, rebounding a ton and wiping up sweat and, and everything else. So, uh, so that's how I got into being, uh, you know, attached or involved with college basketball. Um, and then I got really lucky. Actually, you know, Dennis Wolf left after my freshman year to become the head coach at Boston University. And then Jeff had to, and, and another assistant 
left to become a head coach also. So Jeff had to hire two new assistant coaches. So one of the gentlemen he hired was a gentleman named Pete Herman. And Pete Herman had been the head coach at the Naval Academy when David Robinson was there. And Pete Herman was an unbelievable mentor to me. He took me under his wing. And staffs were smaller then. I mean, there was Jeff, three assistants, and Ms. Johnson, who was the secretary. The NCAA had sort of done away with graduate assistants. And and that was, you know, sort of it came back towards the tail end of my college career. So uh, when I was a sophomore, Coach Herman, Pete Herman, basically (laughs) uh, strong-armed me into becoming the GA. And and I would work... with him, for him, every day, you know, and I, if I wasn't in class, I was in the basketball office, and, uh, you know, I would just kind of watch what he did at practice, and I was a good enough high school player that I could dribble and pass in drills and rebound and come off a ball screen and throw it to the big guy or something like that, but where he really helped me was, was in the office, and, and Coach Herman was in charge of all the opponent's scouting, and so I helped him do all that, and I it started off doing grunt work. Back in the day, you, you know, it was VHS tapes, VCR tapes, you used to tape every every game and we had a satellite dish and we had something like in, in the Virginia basketball offices and locker rooms, we had something like seven or eight TVs with VCRs attached so we could record all these games. So every day before I left the office during basketball season, I would set all these VCRs to record every game, you know, and then you'd come in and you had to organize them and you had to edit them and you deck to deck, we'd have five or six VCRs and, and Coach Herman just didn't want to do that grunt work. And I was more than willing to do it. And over the course of my sophomore year, you know, he would have me do all of that, but he would also have me sit next to him while he was watching film and he was explaining what he was looking for. Um, and so then it got to the point where he would, he'd watch five games and then he'd give me a game or two and say, hey, see if you see anything different. Um, and I think I had a, a knack for that maybe. You know, I certainly had a passion for it. Um, and he taught me how to sort of scout opponents. And then over the next couple of years as a sophomore and then a junior and a senior, I, I just kept, continued to do more and more of that with Coach Herman. And that allowed me to get into college coaching. And, and so when I graduated, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Um, I knew I didn't want to be a high school teacher at that point. I was trying to get into college coaching, but that was really challenging. I was interviewing for Division three assistant jobs to make no money, trying to figure out if I was going to go home to New York and try to get a sales job or a job on Wall Street or whatever else. Uh, and Coach Jones called me in a week before graduation and and he, you know, he asked me to stay and paid me, he said, we, we can pay you a little bit of money, um, but, you know, stay and do everything you're doing with the staff. Uh, I don't know what we'll call you because we're not allowed to call you a grad assistant. I can't pay for grad school. We'll call you like a coaching intern, but keep doing everything you're doing with Coach Herman and the scouting and the film. And, and, but you don't have to be a manager anymore. And I was like, yeah, sign me up for that. Um, and so it was a great, you know, and that was a, that was a tough year. That was Jeff's last year at Virginia. So that was, you know, that was a disappointing way for his tenure to end at Virginia and for my first year as a coach or sort of coach in waiting or whatever, intern, coaching intern, but it, but it was, it was a, a great experience. And so then from there, I went to uh, Boston University where Dennis Wolf was the head coach. I had done a good job working for Jeff at Virginia that he recommended me to, to, to coach Wolf to Dennis. And I went up there and uh, I think, I believe my, well, I know what my title was. I was the director of basketball operations, but I really didn't do much of that. I was basically, again, sort of like a, a grad assistant um, kind of doing whatever needed to be done, right? Whether I was getting lunch every day or breaking down film or helping out wherever you could, helping, you know, oversee the matter, whatever it was. Um, and I, you know, I was there for two years at Boston U. Uh, you know, I, wor- I didn't make any money. I was happy to be in it. You're chasing a dream. You know, I worked at bars and restaurants. I worked for a full year as a bouncer, which makes everyone that knows me laugh because I'm about six feet, 160 pounds. I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I couldn't bounce a chair if I needed to. 
Um, but it was a good game. I worked the door. I checked IDs. I helped clean up. It was a great joint. It was a, a great place right near Boston University's campus. A fabulous owner. You know, and there were a lot of off-duty cops that would hang out there and firemen. So there really wasn't much drama. And no one, kids are, anyway, it was a, you know, it was a good gig. And then I worked as a waiter for a year. I actually made a lot of money as a waiter, to be honest, in Boston. And, you know, and, and, uh, and I was hustling, right? You're chasing a dream. You're, you're trying to get into coaching. And, and I wasn't doing really any or much coaching at that point, right? I was assisting the assistant coaches um, and learning, learning as much as you can and, and taking it all in. And then, my, you know, a big break for me came when, when Jeff got hired as the head coach at American U. I went there as an assistant coach. So I was, uh, I guess, 24 years old when I got hired. I guess 25 by the time the season started. So I was 25 years old and I was a full-time assistant coach at the Division One level. So I, I thought I was well on my way. And in, in a lot of respects, I was. Um, and, and I stayed there for a long time with Jeff, kind of rose, you know, rose amongst the ranks of assistant coaches. We had some outstanding staffs. Uh, I know Monarch fans aren't going to want to hear this, but Ryan Odom, who's the coach at VCU now, was was on our first staff there. The gentleman that's the head coach at Morgan State right now, Kevin Brodus, was was on that staff. A few other guys have gone on to become head coaches off of Jeff's staff at American. So it was a great 13-year run at American U. We were extremely successful. And then when Jeff came here to Old Dominion, I was in the mix to get that job at American. I, ultimately, I didn't get it. Jeff was kind enough to kind of save a spot for me. Um, so I kind of came here to ODU and I got sort of reshuffled in the deck a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I was the director of operations. Some people kind of know what that means, but they gave me a different title. I think that was probably for HR reasons. Um, but it, it was, uh, it was great. You know, I mean, I was still in coaching. My responsibilities changed a little bit, but when you're at the low major level, but low division one as an assistant coach, you're doing all the op stuff, you know, everything that I've done here at Old Dominion, you know, I had to do it at. Boston U. I had to do it at American U. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't anything new or All different. Right, well, let's talk about that because I think most folks don't really have a good appreciation for all the things that happen behind the scenes. I mean, we know that you guys travel and we know that you have to schedule games and the guys wear uniforms and have warm-ups, but how does that stuff all happen? And these are just some of the many things that, that you do. So I'm just going to pick the first one probably not the the sexiest one i'll save some of those for mike but equipment i was fascinated when we were talking at practice once about equipment and how you almost have to be like nostradamus because you're ordering things for a squad that you don't even have yet can you talk to monarch nation a little bit about all the things that go into that ordering things and trying to figure out for teams that don't even exist yet yeah, no, absolutely. So the, the, when people ask me all the time, they're like, oh, what do you do? And I, I would, I tell them that I'm a college basketball coach. And that's what I've been lucky enough to say for 27 years now. Here at Old Dominion, my, my job is sort of how I, how I best describe it for people that don't understand is, you know, half of my job is basketball and the other half of my job is administrative. And it's like running a small business. Now, I've never outside of being a waiter and some other, you know, summer jobs, scooped ice cream when I was in high school, you know, stuff like that. I, I've never done anything other than be a college basketball coach. So I really don't know what other people do, but I imagine it's, if you owned your own business, it's, it's all those things that you have to do, whether you're a, a plumber, whether you're a mechanic, whether you're a, a marketing executive, wh whatever it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, so equipment is one of those things. So we, uh, you know, Under Armour, is a fabulous partner to Old Dominion and to Old Dominion basketball. I mean, they they are uh, 
they're very generous to us and we're very lucky to have the partnership with them that we do and, and they take great care of us. But it's, there's some challenges. You got to order things like sweatsuits and t-shirts and socks and jocks, although no one wears jocks anymore, but you know, it's all compression shorts. So socks and compression shorts, but it doesn't sound as good. And t-shirts and, and sneakers and elbow pads and knee pads and tight undershirts and loose undershirts and all this stuff that guys like now for games. Um, you know, not to mention uniform. You, you have to order a lot of that stuff months, months in advance. And so you're pre-ordering what you, you know, what you expect to have, because this way you're guaranteed to get it. Um, now we're lucky in a good situation here. We can pad a little bit. So, but a lot of it is guesswork. Uh, you sort of take your look at your roster. You think who's coming back. You project maybe who, what positions they'll be coming in and like, ah, oh, we need, we probably are bringing in a point guard. So he's probably going to be a medium, you know, and you sort of guesswork a little bit. Um, the bet, the sneakers are a tough one. The, the sneakers are a really, really tough one because you, you know, the, um, you just have to sort of oh, order a ton of sneakers, basketball sneakers on the front end. Listen, if, you, if you're short a sweatsuit, you can usually get one in September, right? Or, or order it in July and still find one that matches what everyone else has if you need a certain size. Basketball shoes are very tricky. Um, and so you, we order, I mean, oh, I don't even know the number. I, I probably can't. I mean, we probably order close to, we probably order close to, 250 to 300 batters of basketball sneakers and they come in and then because we have to get them up front and supply chain has has made this worse right and issues that we, we all have dealt with in all facets of life over these last couple of years um, so you have to get them in on the front end and so we get them all in and then we figure out okay well the roster is this this and this so we know this guy fits this size etc cetera, etc cetera. and then we kind of pull out of that out of the, that order what we need and then we return the rest and, and again Under Armour is very nice to us because they allow us to return them um, and, but this way we kind of are guaranteed of having enough sneakers in different models of shoe and every year it's different right uh, some guys like one model of shoe some guys really prefer a different model of shoe from year to year you know the the Spawn 5 may not exactly be the same as Spawn 6. And some guys just don't like the Spawn 6 as much as Spawn 5, but they like the Curry 10 or whatever it may be. Um, and so you sort of got to cushion a little bit and get a little bit lucky sometimes uh, so that you have, you know, listen, you know, Chauncey Jenkins likes the shoes that he likes. And I'm going to try really hard to make sure I've got the shoes that he likes and enough of them to get him through the season. Um, you know, it gets a little tricky when the shoes that he likes changes from year to year, uh, but you figure that out, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. All right. So every basketball fan loves talking about scheduling. I don't, I hate talking about scheduling. Well, we got to talk about it because we we've seen how hard it's gotten for mid majors to get a good schedule. And I think this year you guys did an amazing job getting the teams you did on the schedule and beefing it up quite a bit for this team to really test themselves in non-conference play. Can you talk to us about how they come together, how long of a process it is, what are the headaches you deal with? You don't need to talk about specific teams or any of that. Just anything crazy or just kind of give us the, the lowdown on what this, this whole process is like. No, it's, I would imagine it's like cold call sales. There's a lot of phone calls that lead to nothing, but you got to make them. Otherwise, you don't get the five that lead to the sale. And so that's kind of, that's kind of how it is. You just got to cast a big net and reach out to a lot of schools. There's no question that scheduling's gotten harder. You know, I, I've, I've had numerous administrators um, 
have had <laughs> plenty of fans tell me, oh, you know, I don't understand why we can't get North Carolina or Virginia Tech to come play here or someone like that. You know, the, the reality of college basketball now is that those games just are very hard to get. And, and ODU always has been a very, very good mid-major program, right? There's a fear factor for some of those schools. It's just not worth the risk to play them um, or to, for them to play us, excuse me. You know, I think what we've started to notice is, you know, there's a rumor, a rumor out there that the ACC schools were were told this year that they, uh, and moving forward for the foreseeable future, they're not allowed to schedule any home and home games. So you've got all sort of different uh, games. You have a home and home series, which is where we and Radford will agree to play a home and home series, where it'll be a two-year deal, maybe a four-year deal, but, you know, we'll get a home game one year and then we'll have to go on the road and return it. Um, then there are guarantee games where, you know, someone is paying you or you're paying someone a flat fee to play the game. And, and, you know, if you're the payer, you're buying a home game. If you're receiving the money, you know, you're going on the road and you're not getting a return game. Uh, Years ago, there used to be a two for one, you know, maybe where you could go to North Carolina twice and they would come to say ODU once. Um, you know, those, those don't really exist very much anymore. There's been a you know, and it all, it's trickled down, right? It's trickled down basketball nomics, right? ESPN is a major player in college basketball. People that don't understand that, like ESPN is a major player in college basketball, right? And, and they have all these tournaments and all these events where they, they need teams in them and they need name brand teams in them to get fans to tune in, it's, right? It's a big business. And so there's a lot more of those kind of one-off events where, an ACC and a Big Big Ten team are going to play at a neutral site, say in Chicago. There's more of these rivalry challenges, ACC, SEC. There's certainly, an ex- it feels like there's an explosion of these MTE, these tournaments, right? These three-game tournaments. We're in Hawaii this year. Last year, we were in Charleston. We've been in the Cayman Islands and the, Baha- the, the Battle for Atlantis, et cetera, et cetera. We try really hard to be in one of those tournaments every year because for us, that's a chance for us to play a high major team, maybe two high major teams on a neutral site where we just simply have a better chance of beating them. That's what the math says, right? You have a better chance of beating them on a neutral site like we did a few years back when we were able to beat LSU and and there's been others. So we try very hard to get into one of those really good MTEs. The, I don't know what the MTE, it's a I don't yeah, tournament. I don't even know what MTE stands for. Oh, I apologize. You guys probably do. But we try really hard to be in one of those tournaments where we're going to be matched up like we are this year with with TCU, who right is a top 25, top 35 basketball team. It's a great opportunity for us. But yeah, you know, you just got to you got to make a lot of phone calls and you, you got to try to you hope the schedule work works out. Everyone wants home games. You know, there's there's been. Um, you know, an explosion of teams playing non-Division One games. You know, 10 years ago, no one did that. And now uh, it's just gotten harder to get games. And so teams teams are, are playing, uh, you know, at all levels. You know, low major teams are playing non-Division One teams and, and mid-major teams are playing non-Division One teams. So because everyone wants home games and everyone's trying to minimize risk. You know, I, I give Jeff uh, a lot of credit. You know, he's always sort of been, a, you know, we'll, we'll take anyone on type of mentality, right? Like we're, we're going to. We're willing to play anyone. Um, we don't want to sign up for a bad deal, but we're willing to play anyone pretty much anytime, anywhere. But it's gotten hard. It, it, it's, you know, and that's, that's okay. It's just the nature of it. So you got to reach out and you got to find more people and, and try to piece it together as best you can. And, 
You know, we used to have it really good. You know, we in an ideal world, we would love to play all of the colonial, or excuse me, well, all of the old colonial teams. I guess now it's the coastal. Um, we'd love to play all of those teams. And for a long time, we had, you know, we, we were able to play William & Mary every year. We were able to play VCU in Richmond, you know, George Mason, you know, a number of years we've been able to play. We, we sort of got back to playing JMU, and, and then we joined the same league with them, um, which is fabulous. Um, so, you know, we, we, we had a pretty good situation here where we could, you know, be in a tournament and play a bunch of the old CAA teams and then find another game or two where we get a home game and maybe go on the road outside of this area. Um, you know, and the travel is extensive in, in Conference USA, quite honestly, and, and it's fairly extensive in the Sun Belt. So we tried really hard to minimize travel in the non-conference for many, many years and try to play all those in-state or local teams, you know, East Carolina, Towson, bus ride, bus trips, so we could, could make it work. Um, you know, it's gotten a little bit trickier these last couple of years, but you just got to keep keep plugging away, keep making calls and, and try to, you know, hope, hope you get a little bit lucky. I will say MTE is a multi-team event. Yes, I could have, I should have known that. Multi-team, yes. That's kind of stupid. Every basketball game is a multi-team event by nature. We're going to have a multi-team <laughs> event on Wednesday at the TED. But I think, Karen, we've, we've only got you for about 10 more minutes. I th- we're going to have to have you on some other time to talk more about this stuff because we're just scratching the surface, and I know fans would love to hear that. But you talking about travel. Let's talk about that a little bit in particular. So you mentioned the team's going to go be going to Hawaii in December. Talk to Monarch Nation a little bit about all the various travel-like kind of items and coordination that goes into an event like this. Oh, yeah. No, there's, there's a fair amount. Um, you know, it's just paper. It's a lot of paperwork, right? You know, it, um, and it's just communication, right? It's just being being organized and figuring out what – got to know what you want, right? And, and so you got to know – and luckily, I've worked for Jeff for a long time, so I have a very good understanding of, of how he wants things to run. But you're dealing with planes, trains, and automobiles and hotels and food, right? So – um, whether it's Hawaii or it's a trip, Ball State, Arkansas probably was as complicated as Hawaii will be. But it, and it's all the same, you know. It's just how many days you're going to be at a hotel. So you're just uh, and luckily we have a, a an in-house travel agent in the athletic department that that does a lot of the legwork on being in contact, getting quotes on hotels. I I used to do that, and that was a lot of a lot of legwork. Also, you're calling five, six, seven hotels trying to get the best deal. Now, now someone else in the department does that for for basketball and and I think all the teams, which is outstanding. Uh, we're very, very fortunate. Um, you're trying to find the best deal you can get when you need 20 hotel rooms or whatever it is, because we've got radio guys and support staff and two managers that'll student managers that'll travel us with in our staff. You know, it adds up the number of rooms you're using 15, 16, 20 rooms. And, and then you're trying to feed all those guys and, and you want to eat healthy. You want to also keep it We've been accused of being boring. Well, we've been accused of being boring probably in a lot of ways. But we've been accused of being boring with our food. But we eat to win, you know. And it's, you know, it's setting up meals with with pasta and chicken and vegetables. And there's only so many different ways you can have chicken, you know, um, that isn't fried, you know, four hours before a game. Um, but you're just kind of in, constantly in contact with all those hotels and then the bus companies when there's, there's always someone at the hotel on the sales side or the catering side. And you just, you got to know what you want. I, I spent a good chunk of my day today, quite honestly, sort of getting ahead on, um, tying up some loose ends on Hawaii, uh, and then getting ahead to the, the start of conference play. We go to Northeastern this weekend that that's been done for weeks, <laughs> um, you know, but get kind of a lot of the, the, the excuse me, Sunbelt conference hotels 
you're sending rooming lists and sending meals. Hey, we want to eat at this time. The game's at this time. We always eat four hours before. So a, a typical trip for us is, uh, you know, we try to practice at Old Dominion before we travel. So we, we just feel like we get a better practice that way. Guys aren't tired after traveling on a bus ride or on a flight. And you, get, you can control what you can control better at home. Sometimes things go wrong with travels with, with planes and, and you're delayed. And I've definitely been in situations where you miss you know, the practice because you were trying to practice at that other school when you got there and, and flights are delayed and now you're practicing at nine o'clock at night and messes up the meals. And so we try to practice before we travel. We try to feed our guys right after practice when we're on the bus going to the next destination or on the bus going to the airport. We try to get to the, get to the hotel as quickly as we can. Sometimes it's a nonstop flight. <laughs> Sometimes you got to connect. It's hard for our guys. Connecting's hard. We got big human beings. When you're on these little connecting flights in and out of some of these smaller cities, it's and then you're waiting around for a connection. It's, it's a long day. It's not physically taxing, but it can be mentally draining. And then you get to the hotel and we have a dinner, right? And we have set up a little buffet and we eat. And we usually watch some film over opponent the next day, get the guys to bed, wake up the next morning, have breakfast, try to feed them well. Uh, we usually watch film again. We go over and we have a shoot around, which is sort of like a very light practice. We literally shoot. You know, we shoot. I know some fans don't believe that, but we work on shooting a ton. We shoot and we, we try to get up shots without being physically taxing, but trying to that fine line of getting guys loose and getting ready, but not wearing them out. And then we walk through, right? How are we going to guard the other team? This is what four or five things that they want to do most. And how are we going to guard them? So we have a game plan. Talk about how they're going to guard us and what do we want to do to attack them. Then we go back to the hotel. Guys rest a little bit. And then we eat again. Um, you don't have a pregame meal four hours before the game. And then we, you know, we usually leave the hotel about two hours before the game, try to get over to the arena anywhere about an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes before the game. You know, guys go in the locker room, the managers hand out uniforms. Jason Mitchell, our outstanding athletic trainer, starts taping ankles and giving treatment and get guys out on the court again. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of eating and there's a lot of hurry up and waiting. And then, you know, when you go on, and especially on these league road trips where you're gone two games, you leave Wednesday, you play Thursday. Sometimes you travel Thursday night. Sometimes you're bussing through the night. Sometimes you're traveling, flying. Sometimes you're traveling the next day um, on Friday, and then you're playing again on Saturday. And, and sometimes you're getting home on Saturday night. Sometimes you're not getting home until Sunday. I do think the Sun Belt, especially the East, has been better for us in that regard. We can we can uh, we get home on a lot more Saturday nights. Now maybe technically 3 or 4 a.m. Sunday morning, but it feels like Saturday night when you can get home and get in bed and wake up. At whatever time that is, for the coaches, it's probably earlier than for the players. Um, you know, for me, it's when my children wake me up. So you may get a few hours of sleep or whatever it is. But at least when you wake up Sunday morning, whether that's at 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 11 o'clock a.m. on Sunday, uh, you're in your own bed. And then you have usually the whole day off. Um, and I, th I find that very mentally rewarding uh, for, I think, everyone involved. Um, you know, when you, when you have to play, when you leave on Wednesday, play Thursday, you know, travel Thursday or Friday, play Saturday, and you can't get out. Like today, I was working on our Troy, Arkansas trip, Arkansas State trip. You know, we play Arkansas State at two o'clock in the afternoon, and you're like, okay, that's great. We're going to get home earlier. But it really, we're in Jonesboro, Arkansas. It really doesn't help us get home any earlier. So after the game, we've got a four and a half hour bus ride to Nashville because we can fly out Sunday morning. We can let our guys sleep in, and we can take our, a nonstop flight Sunday morning from Nashville rather than connect. Uh, you know, which would cost even more money and be tougher on our players. It's easier to just get on that bus and go four and a half hours to Nashville, we'll watch games, relax, guys sleep, whatever it is. It's a little more comfortable on the bus. Guys can spread out than it than they can. It's easier to spread out on a bus than it is on a on a commuter jet. 
from Arkansas State, you know, we won't get home till, uh, you know, probably won't probably won't get back to campus about three thirty four o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, that's a that's a that's a hey, listen. Don't cry for us, right? This is awesome. This is a great lifestyle. This is what we all want to be, right? We all want to be part of it, but it's hard. And then those kids got to go to study hall Sunday night, and they got to get to class on Monday. There's a lot behind the scenes that's challenging for these guys. All right, Coach. So we're uh, close to out of time. So we're going to close with this question, I think. Absolutely. Is that right, Aaron? We're, this would be a good time to close. All right. So you were a basketball coach. Uh, you know this team. You've seen a lot of teams over the years. So what is this team's ceiling? And what does this team need to do to hit that ceiling? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think this ceil- this team ceiling is as high as 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 any I can remember um, in a long time. You know, I, I think you you know there's been some years you come into the year, into the season, and and um, you know I, I think you know our second year with with Trey Freeman, you came in, you're like, man, I think we're going to be really good. You know, Trey and Aaron, Trey Freeman, Aaron Bickle's senior year, you came into the year and you're like, oh, we are really good. <laughs> you know, we knew that. Uh, BJ and Ahmad senior year, you, you knew you were going to be really good. And as coaches, you just tried not to mess it up and you hope you didn't get injured. Right. Other years you're, you're, you're thinking like, uh, you know, I'm not sure what it, how high it will be or how, how, where are we going to be? This, this team has a high ceiling. This team has the potential to contend for a championship. There's no question about that. We, we got to figure it out. We've been, it's been a little disjointed, I would say so far, right? It, part of that, you got, Eight, nine new guys, nine new guys, I think in total. When it takes some, it take, every team moves at a different pace. We were really fortunate. Last year, we had seven new guys. Last year, it gelled pretty quickly right away, and, and roles were established very quickly. With this team, part of it's been because of injuries, part of it's because of maybe personalities, part of it because maybe I think we have more talent across the board, so there's more competition. That's hard. Like, Okay, well, I can play this guy. I can play this guy. They're both pretty good, but only five can be out there at the same time, and, and what is the right combination. There's a fair amount of tinkering going on right now and trying to figure out what is the best, you know, way forward. Um, you know, we've, and we, you know, we've gotten sidelined a little bit, you know, we missed Dorico for two games, you know, then we missed Ty for a game. And then we basically missed all of RJ yesterday for a game. He took a inadvertent karate chop across the nose when he was lost for the rest of the game. And all of those guys are important pieces to the puzzle for us, not having them there. Sam Hood, we expected him to play a role coming into the season um, and a role that I'm not sure anyone else really can play. And so now he's out. And so you got to kind of recalibrate. So I, I think that to, our ceiling is very, very high. Our ceiling is that of a contender. Um, what do we need to do to get to that ceiling? We, we've got to gel, right? We've got to find a way to, to gel and to, to, to understand what it's going to take for us to be successful. There's a lot of different ways that teams can be successful. There's a lot of different ways to skin the cat, blah, 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 right? There's a lot of different ways. What is the best way for this group of people and this head coach and that combination to be successful? I'm not going to lie and say it's gone super smoothly yet, but it hasn't gone bad either. It's just not as smooth yet, but it's early and it's been a little disjointed. So we just got to figure that out. We've got a mix of new older guys. We've got a mix of new younger guys. We've got two freshmen playing a significant amount of minutes, which I know is somewhat rare for us maybe, but we've got two freshmen and freshmen are freshmen, right? You know, they make freshman mistakes. Bryce uh, Baker wasn't playing, I don't think really at all this time a year ago. And 
you look at what happened to him over the course of the season and his development, right? And, you know, and now he's coming. You know, Emo's playing a different role than he's been playing. You know, Devin didn't really play much at all, you know, and so now he's playing for the first time. So, you know, that's a, th- that's a third guy that's really experiencing college basketball significant minutes for the first time. So, so all of that sort of just takes time, and it's, it's a process. And with every team, it's a little bit different. You know, what gives me, you know, a, a ton of confidence is that, you know, Jeff knows what he's doing. Our staff knows what we want to do. And we've got good young men in the program, right? And, and we're playing hard. We played really, really hard against Drexel. And that was obvious to everyone. It wasn't always pretty, but we played really hard. Well, that's been a staple for Old Dominion basketball for the, the 10 years that I've been here, watching them from afar. I think that's been a staple of Old Dominion's success for a lot more than 10 years. Um, but, and, and so that, that's it. We, we compete. We got to compete. Now we got to figure out how to be a little better defensively. We got to figure out how to put the ball in the basket a little bit more. There's no question about all of that, right? And got to get a second score to be consistent to go along with Chauncey and, and lighten the load for him. There, there's things we have to figure out. But as long as we continue to be the harder playing team, we, you know, we got to continue to get better defensively. We've got to continue to get better offensively. We have a very, very high seat. Well, Coach, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, like I said earlier, I think we're just scratching the surface. Hopefully you'll be willing to come back on with us some time in the future. I know that we're going to get a lot of positive feedback, and I'm sure we're going to get a ton more questions and all the different things you do. We can't wait to see you on Wednesday. Before we part, do you have a, a message to Monarch Nation? No, I'll, I'll just say thank you, right? It's been really awesome. You know, I, I, you know I've been here now 10 years, and, and uh, I have a great appreciation for how special this basketball program is, right? And I'm an ODU fan, right? I, I go to women's soccer games and men's baseball games and football games. I was at the football game the other day. It's a little chilly, um, you know, and, and I, you know, my family, we've become a big ODU fans for sure. But, but this is a really, really special college basketball program where fans care for a very, very long time. And you see that, you see that in our attendance. Um, I'm sure you see it in the numbers and the listeners, right? I see it when, you know, people stop you in the grocery store and they recognize you. Uh, you know, that that's special. We, we've got it very good here, right? We've got unbelievable facilities. We've got unbelievable fans. I, I just say thank you. You know, I, I appreciate it. It's uh, We're very, very, very lucky, not to speak for Jeff or the other members of the staff, but I, I think it's safe to say that all of us that are coaches understand that and appreciate that. And I would say, hey, we're, we're, we're working our tails off to be the best that we can be. It's not the start we wanted to the season. You know, I, 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 we can admit that it's... But it's not the end of the world either. We got a lot of basketball left to play, and and we're we're coming. You know, we're coming, and we're we'll be ready for Wednesday night, and it'll be a tough challenge. And then the game after that's another tough challenge. The game after that's another. Right? This is there ain't there ain't no cupcakes. We probably had one on this on this on the schedule, and that one's come and gone. So you know, it's big boy basketball from here on out, um, and and we'll be ready. Well, you heard of Monarch Nation, 7 p.m. Wednesday night at the TED against Radford and then tune in on Saturday at 2 p.m. I think maybe it's not I don't know either way playing at Northeastern in Boston thanks coach we'll see you soon and go Monarchs go Monarchs thank you go Monarchs